centered in King Jesus. We pray these things in his name. Amen. As we head into uh, a new year, this is the seventh year that we've begun a new year uh, with a topical series in January focused on these four topics, the word, prayer, racial reconciliation or racial harmony, and sanctity of human life. And as we say every single year, we didn't think up this idea. There's other churches that we love and have learned from that, that came up with this idea. I don't know where it originated with them, but we just took it and said we think that's a helpful way to begin a new year every year as a church. Now, the word in prayer seems most obvious as a church, as a group of Christians, beginning a new year, if we're going to experience the presence of the Lord, if we're going to see him at work in us and through us, we have to be deeply engaged in the word. We have to be deeply engaged in prayer. It's not optional. Just like food and air in our physical lives, so is the word and prayer in our spiritual lives. They are absolutely essential. Now, there's lots of people who read religious writings, and there's lots of people who pray. So what's so special about us engaging in the word and us engaging in prayer? Aren't we just doing what other people do? Well, we have been made alive with Christ. We have life in him. He is alive in us. And the primary way we stay in close, intimate fellowship with him is engaging in the word and engaging in prayer. So we're not doing this just because it's what religious people do. We're not doing it because it's just a good way to live life. We're doing it because we have a relationship with Jesus. Because Jesus is alive in us, our way to engage with him on a continual, consistent basis is through the word and in prayer. Structured times of prayer, spontaneous times of prayer, reading, studying, savoring, feasting on the scriptures. If your life is not marked by these basic spiritual disciplines, the response is not, well, I just need to read more and pray more. No, the response is, where is my heart for Jesus? What is wrong in my relationship with Jesus? What am I believing about God that is a lie? What am I not believing about God that is true? Don't just fix it by doing more spiritual activity. If, if you're not engaging in the word, you're not engaging in prayer, something is off in your time and your understanding of who Jesus is and his great love for you. So begin with repentance and faith. Remember who Jesus is and who you are in him. And then, out of the reality of that relationship, return to sit at his feet and enjoy him once again. And if you walk with Jesus long enough, and you don't have to walk with him long, you've strayed away from time in the word and time in prayer. You know what that's like. You know what it feels like. And you also know what it's like to return to him. And to sit down with an old friend and pick right back up where you left off. And, and maybe that's where some of you are this morning. And that's what's needed. For you to sit down with your old friend Jesus and pick right back up where you left off. And so every year we begin with these reminders. Because we are a people of Jesus, because Jesus has worked in us, we will be a people of the book. We will be a people of prayer. And to do all Jesus wants us to do as a church in 2022, we must abide in the word and we must abide with him in prayer. As Jesus said in John 15, apart from him, we'll do nothing. Now, we can be a church. We can have a place to meet. We can have a website and a bank account and a workplace account. We can be a 501c3 domestic nonprofit corporation. We can have weekly meetings. We can be a bona fide religious organization or club. 
and have zero fruit of the gospel if we try to do all that we try to do apart from Jesus. The best indication of how much we're abiding in Jesus is what does our relationship with him in the word and prayer look like? Does it exist? Is it dry? Is it ritualistic? Or is it vibrant and on fire like you can't wait to commune with Jesus again? So that's how we start off every year, reminding our people of that, reminding ourselves of that, which leads to our two sermons on culturally relevant issues, racial harmony, racial reconciliation, in conjunction with Martin Luther King Holiday, Sanctity of Human Life, in conjunction with Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. Two topics we'll dig into more when those Sundays arrive. And then in between those four topics, we've added a fifth sermon last year, a sermon on unity. What is the foundation of our unity? Especially important to remember when we examine hot topic issues. So can we understand those issues with each passing year that are becoming more and more important, more and more contentious? Can we understand those issues, how to live out our faith in those issues without worshiping the one of the primary idols of our nation today, our culture, which is politics? How do we stay biblically faithful? Now, some years we try and tie all these sermons together with a unifying theme, and this year the theme is gospel-driven for God's mission. So how do we understand these five topics in light of the gospel? What does the truth and reality of the gospel of Jesus drive us to believe and do? And then how does that lead us to join God on his mission to grow and spread his kingdom, to make disciples of all nations, to see the earth filled with his glory, to see hundreds and thousands in our city turn from being only religious or only rebellious to becoming worshipers of Jesus, see millions and billions who've yet to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ in their own language to see them know and enjoy Jesus as well. In other words, the good we have received through the gospel of Jesus Christ is not just for us. It doesn't stop here. The good we have received, he intends for us to then spread around. Psalm 67, verse 1, May God be gracious to us and bless us. Make his face shine upon us so that your way may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. God, be gracious to us, bless us, make your face shine upon us so that your way may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. God, work in us so we can make you known to all nations. We benefit in amazing ways, but the grace and the blessing and favor don't stop with us. We are, in fact, asking for God to work in us, bless us, show us favor for what purpose? to get it to all nations, to get it beyond us. It's never intended to stop with us. There's no definition or version of Christianity or church that is healthy or good that doesn't include a passion for others to know him, others here and others among all nations. If your version of Christianity is devoid of this other's focus, I would strongly ask you to examine how are you defining Christianity? So this month, we're engaging in these topics for the purpose of how they help us share and participate in God's mission to make his way known on earth, his salvation among the nations. And today, the, prayer, the topic is prayer. And one of the best passages to help us see how prayer is connected to God's mission is found in Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6. Let's, let's look at the entire section, and then we'll dig into uh, the last part of it. Ephesians 6, beginning of verse 10. Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. 
For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in in the heavens. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day. And having prepared everything to take your stand, stand. Stand, therefore, with truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest, and your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray at all times in in the spirit with every prayer and request. And stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. For this, I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might be bold enough to speak about it as I should. John Piper in this passage makes his well-known analogy of prayer as a wartime walkie-talkie, not simply an intercom to call down for more refreshments to the den. And sometimes we treat prayer more as that intercom and less like the wartime walkie-talkie, and the difference can be seen in how seriously we see the reality of the spiritual warfare that we're engaged in. Do we see our lives through this lens? If we think the battle in our life is, How can I make more money so we can buy more stuff? Or how can we make more money with less work so I can have more time to enjoy the stuff? If we think the battle is I'm going through this hard situation that is threatening my way of life, so I need to figure out how to fix this situation so I can live my life my way. If our definition of the good life is comfort, ease, pleasure, free time to do what I want, enough money to do and, and go where I want, enjoy what I want, when I want. If that, if that is our life, then anything that threatens that, hinders that, well, then I'm in a struggle. I'm in a battle. Life is hard. I'm only supposed to work 40 hours a week. Why am I having to work extra to help out this person? I'm supposed to get weekends off. Everyone's supposed to like me. I'm not that offensive. Why are these people not liking me? I'm, I'm not supposed to deal with all these frustrations. I'm a Christian after all. And Paul bursts all of these bubbles in the book of Ephesians because that is not the Christian life that he describes. That's not what this life is about as followers of Jesus. Just just one section, Ephesians 4, beginning of verse 25, shows us this. Verse 25, Ephesians 4. Therefore, putting away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down in your anger and don't give the devil an opportunity. Let the thief no longer steal. Instead, he is to do honest work with his own hands so he has something to share with anyone in need. No foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need so that it gives grace to those who hear. Don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You are sealed by him for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting and slander be removed from you, along with all malice. And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ, Jesus. Verse 1, chapter 5. Therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children, and walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us, a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. But sexual immorality and any impurity or greed should not even be heard of among you, as is proper for saints. 
obscene and foolish talking or crude joking are not suitable, but rather giving thanks. For know and recognize this, every uh, every sexually immoral or impure or greedy person who is an idolater does not have an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. This, this section, speak truth, not lies. Care for your neighbor. Don't sin in anger. Don't steal, but work hard in order to be generous to others. Watch your speech so that it's not described as foul or crude or obscene, but make sure it builds others up and gives grace. Don't make God grieve through your speech. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving because you've been forgiven. Walk in love as God is loved. Don't engage in sexual immorality or greediness, but give thanks. Just as one small section of Ephesians shows a way of life that is in direct opposition to how many people want to live their lives in our, in our culture today. It's antithetical to, to how many people think normal life should look. How are we are supposed to live our lives. And just, just the fact that so much of that section takes into consideration your neighbor, the other. So many things God has called and created us to do, we do for the good of Others, not just for the good of ourselves. Just that alone is antithetical to how many people pursue the American dream today. Along with working hard to be generous, speaking truth, not lies, not being crude or foolish in our speaking, being kind, compassionate, forgiving. This is the life that Jesus wants us to live, and this is where the battle is in us trying to live that life out, and our enemy hating that because when we live that life out the aroma of Jesus spreads the person and work of Jesus is seen by more people when sinful people like us empowered by the Holy Spirit live out this upside down way of living the enemy of God's people not only doesn't want us to not know Jesus and know his redemption and forgiveness but he also doesn't want us to live out the reality of Jesus' life in us. Satan wants to either keep us from becoming a Christian or he wants to keep us from living like a Christian. As defined by the the scriptures, not Christian as defined by our culture. There is a big difference in those two things. And so we experience the battle, the spiritual warfare described in chapter 6, and the warfare is related to the expansion of God's kingdom. God's kingdom is the rule and reign of King Jesus in the hearts of his people. And so Satan is either fighting us in how we live it out, or he's fighting us in getting Jesus to those who haven't heard of him yet. And I would love to dig deeper into this passage in Ephesians 6 and look at all the different armor and and the different highlights, but we want to focus on prayer. So just a few highlights from this passage. Verse 10, we are strengthened by the Lord in his vast strength. He's not asking, you know, you strengthen yourselves. He's, he's saying, finally, be strengthened. The, the source of the strength is not us, it's the Lord. You receive his strength so that you can stand, so that you can resist the schemes of the devil. We aren't strong. He is strong. Verse 11, it's his armor we put on. It's not our armor, which allows us to stand against the schemes of the devil, which is our real enemy. Our real enemy, Paul says, is not other people, image bearers. Our real enemy is Satan. If we continually see other people, image bearers, or entities made up of image bearers, like political parties or denominations or 
workplace environments or whatever you want to call enemies, if we see people as the enemy, we don't see Satan as our enemy, we'll continually struggle to, to live in a healthy way in this context, in this culture. Satan is our enemy. He works through people, but he is the one ultimately at work to divide and destroy. And we put on this armor, we resist and we stand. We, we, and then Paul goes through several pieces of armor, which really center around one key piece, and that is truth. Our enemy is a liar, the father of lies, and his primary weapon against us is, did God really say? Just like the garden. He tempts and he tries to get us to either believe a lie about God or not believe truth about God by embracing another lie. And we stand firm and we fight against this with truth, with truth. Six pieces of armor mentioned, and some say the seventh piece, uh, uh, the seventh weapon in our belt is prayer, beginning in verse 18. Look again. Pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. For this, this gospel, I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might be bold enough to speak about it as I should. The importance of prayer in our spiritual battle is seen in how prayer is set apart from the rest of the armor and has some of the same language as the beginning of this section. Paul is making a connection between being strengthened by putting on this full armor, having done everything to be prepared, take our stand, resist, verses 10 through 13, and now in verse 18, pray at all times in the spirit, stay alert with all perseverance. It's all connected and it's part of the same posture in prayer. And prayer is as essential to us fighting this battle, resisting Satan and his schemes. It's as essential as the rest of the armor we put on. Church, we are in a battle. You have to see this. We are in a battle for the souls who don't know Jesus and the joy of his salvation. We are in a battle for your own joy, your own public witness to Jesus Christ that you really believe and live out what you say you believe, that our lives match what we say is of most importance. And we're either going to stand and fight in the strength of the Lord with his armor and by prayer, or we're just going to turn on Netflix and chill. We're just going to pick up another hobby to keep us distracted from the battle. We're going to put our head down in our jobs and just get things done. We're only going to focus on this life. How do I make this life as good as possible with no thought of what's to come? See the relationship between prayer and our mission in other passages like John 15. Jesus tells his disciples, you did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Jesus chose us as his followers. Jesus appointed us so we could go and see gospel fruit happen. Why? So that... Whatever we ask the Father in the name of Jesus, he will give us. We are chosen and appointed to go bear fruit for the purpose of experiencing the generous provision of our Father as we go and bear fruit. When we pray in the name of Jesus to our Father for what we need to accomplish his mission, won't, what won't he give us? What won't he do for us? You're, you're, you're joining me, children, in my mission to go make my life known to people all over the world. What, what do you need? What do you need? I mean, what, 
what won't he give us? Romans 8.32, he didn't spare his own son. Will he not also give us all things, everything we need to accomplish his mission? But our lives have to be organized and centered around his mission and not our mission in order for us to pray like this and see this. That, like, that's first. So we see life and we see this world and other people through the lens of God's mission. Every single person that we see, we don't think, well, what, I wonder what they think of me. Like, we're consumed. I wonder, I wonder how they perceive me. Do they like me? Can I get them to like me? Will they hurt me? Can they help me? Who are they? And who do they know that I can now use them to get to those other more influential people? No, other people don't exist for our agenda. We see other people, all people, as fellow image bearers. And when we see them, we're asking, God, how are you at work in their life? And how can I be a part of that? How can I join you on your mission and their life? How can I love them? How can I serve them? Just, I mean, just think about parenting. If you, if you think your kids exist for you and your agenda and your mission, they're always going to be aggravating. You're getting in the way of me. But if, if, if God is at work in their life, God, how are you at work in this little person? And how can I help you help them know you and love you and serve you one day? Well, then you're just going to love, you're going to serve, you're going to give. Because they're not getting in the way of who you are and what you want to accomplish in life. And that's just the people we live around. Think about coworkers and neighbors and family and so forth. And then when the Spirit shows you, helps you to see, then you're asking your father, okay, what do I need? What do I need to help your will be accomplished in that person's life? Do we live like this? Do we see like this? Do we pray like this? Do we pray to our father as though he owns a universe and he's just sitting and waiting for his kids to ask for whatever we need to accomplish his mission? Just ask me. I'm just waiting to give you everything you need. Luke 21, another passage, 21, verse 34 through 36. Jesus' warning of a terrible day is be on guard so your minds are not dulled from carousing and drunkenness and the worries of life, for that day will come on you unexpectedly, the day of the Lord, like a trap when Christ returns. That's what he's talking about. For it will, be, it will come on all who live on the face of the whole earth, but be alert at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Time is coming, Jesus tells his disciples, of great trouble. What we have this weapon, verse 36, to be alert at all times, praying that we would have his strength on us, in us, his strength in us to stay on guard, to stay on mission. As chaotic and as troubled as our world becomes, 2022 shows up just kind of throwing shade on 2020 and 2021. Oh, you think y'all were tough? Look at me. You know, Betty White dies, and maybe that was the seventh seal opening. Who knows? No matter how 2022 goes down, may make 2020 and 2021 look terrible. No matter how rough it gets, we are not powerless or helpless or hopeless. We can stand. We can resist the schemes of Satan to destroy us and destroy those who don't know him. We can fight in the strength of the Lord. We can see the gospel continue to be pressed forward. Paul exhorted the church in Ephesians 6 to pray at all times in light of this spiritual battle we are in. Pray in the Spirit. So we're praying in conjunction, in cooperation with the Spirit of God, not our flesh. 
Flesh-driven prayers are prayers that are given to impress others. Prayers given to manipulate God. Jesus talks about this in Matthew 6. If you're praying to impress others and have their applause, you'll get it. But that's all you'll get. If you're praying to, to God as though he's a pagan deity and you think you can manipulate him with your many words or your whatever you try to do, that's not going to work because you, you treat him as your father, not a pagan deity. He knows Your father knows what you need before you ask him, Jesus says. We pray out, not out of our flesh, but out of the spirit alive in us, out of a relationship with our father in heaven. And then we live with our prayer radar on so that when something pops up, our spirit-driven reflex is to pray, not to be worried or be anxious or to fret. Like we get to a point, the spirit is so alive in us, we're so in step with the spirit that's in us, whatever pops up, our, our reflex is, let's pray. Not, Ugh, I want to die. I want to hide. I want to go get under the covers. I don't want to deal with this. That's where Jesus wants us to live. That's where he wants our energy directed. So parents, it's like super easy to make this a normal, natural rhythm in your home. Uh, for instance, kids, something's always getting lost with kids at the house, always. So before you turn the house upside down, say, okay, we, get, we need to find this library book. We don't want to pay the fine. Let's pray. I can't tell you how many library books have been found in our house after praying. A lot of fretting sometimes first, and I, I have had to convince Jennifer for over 20 years now, it is a physical impossibility for something to disappear. It literally can't just disappear. It is somewhere. So let's pray and let's find it. And we do, I think. I have to ask her if we found them all. Just a simple way to teach your kids this rhythm of when trouble comes, pray first. And don't be worried. Don't just try to fix it. Don't try to make it happen. Just pray and then let Jesus help you. And then when you do find it, Jesus gets the glory. And your kids are learning this rhythm. But Paul asked for some specific needs there in, in chapter 6 of Ephesians. His mouth will be filled with the message so that as he speaks, he speaks with boldness. Colossians, the companion book to Ephesians, so many similarities. He writes this in Colossians 4, devote yourselves to prayer, stay alert in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also that God may open a door to us for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains so that I may make it known as I should. So in light of God's mission that we're caught up in, we pray for open doors, we pray for open mouths, we pray for boldness. We want more opportunities to share the gospel to those who need to hear. And when we get those opportunities, we want to have a mouth that will open and speak the gospel with boldness. As a church, what is a core essential to who we are is gospel proclamation. This is the good news that God has spoken into the world. God created everything with the word. Um, let there be light. Let there be sky. Let there be land. Let there be animals. God revealed himself to his people by communicating to them in their own language so they could understand who he is. One day that word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we are born again, 1 Peter 1, by the living and abiding word of God, imperishable word of God. And we are sent to make him known with our words. That's why the V family is going to work incredibly hard for the next three years to learn this language. Why? So they can take this book that we have read and listened to our entire lives and put it into the heart language of that people. They've never 
heard the gospel. They've never heard the Bible in their own language. And God is energizing this to make this happen. And so we're, we're praying for open doors to make him known and boldness when we get those open doors to speak this gospel. There are few prayers more at the heart of our mission and our identity. This is who we are. This is what we want as a church in our city. This April will mark eight years since we sent out our first group of missional communities. And we've seen much good gospel fruit in the last eight years. Many good things, many joyous things, a lot of fun times we've shared together. Also many sad and sometimes very hard and, and even hurtful things. And it feels like we can go in one of two directions as we move into 2022. We could just start going through the motions. Just focus on our own existence as a church. Let's just keep things going enough, just enough to have enough people, enough money just to stay alive. Just to, We want the crossing to just continue to exist. Or we could join Paul in his prayer. God, there are still hundreds and even thousands in our city and our parish who have yet to know the true joy of your salvation. They might be religious, but they don't really know you. Or they might be just outright rebellious, and they're running from you. But Father, we are here with the gospel. Give us open doors, give us open mouths, and give us boldness to make you known as a family of missionary servants. Father, we have family members we just spent the holidays with, co-workers we work with every day during the week, neighbors that we live next to and we wave and we talk to. Maybe we, we do more fellow families on ball fields, social media friends, people we see each week in grocery stores and hardware stores and coffee shops and gas stations and restaurants. Father, there are still billions living and dying every day without a legitimate gospel-preaching, disciple-making, church-planting church with the scriptures in their own language, like the Wanchi and the Ache and the Baima and the Bonin and the Tongren and the Tibetan and the Jone. And more than our own mission, our own comforts, Father, we are aligning our lives with your mission and your calling and your desire for these rebels to turn into worshipers, for these religious people to turn into followers of Jesus, for the worship of all of these people to fill the earth. And your plan, Father, is to send us. Us. So we pray with Paul at all times, in all season, with all perseverance. Give us open doors. Give us open mouths. Give us boldness to make known this beautiful gospel of Jesus Christ so that those who have yet to hear would hear and believe and come alive in him. So that those who have heard and have heard over and over, they would hear that one final time, and that will be the time God has appointed for them to come alive in Christ Jesus. Maybe part of our struggle to pray is simply we have set our sights too low. It's just about our own lives and our own comforts. And God is inviting us into so much more. This global calling and purpose and mission which we cannot accomplish on our own. And we need to be a people who pray continuously in the spirit for God to do in us and through us what only he wants to accomplish. And so let's end our time together in prayer. I just 
want to give you a few moments to spend with the Spirit and the Father, reflecting on what He has spoken to you, for there to be conviction, for there to be repentance, for there to be forgiveness, cleansing, a fresh cleansing, and, and maybe even for, for many of us a reawakening to why God's created us and why we are here. so overwhelmed at your mercies that are new every single day. And we struggle because we heap up shame on ourselves because of our failures, because what we haven't done, how we haven't aligned our lives as much as we want to with you and your mission and your purpose. And that keeps us far away from you. We don't think we can come near because we're such failures, because we've fallen short, because we haven't done all we really want to do. Your mercies are new every day. Your arms are open wide every day for your children to come. Come and sit at your feet once again. Come be reunited with an old friend once again. Let's pick up where we left off. And there's a fresh start and a fresh beginning that you make available through your spirit alive inside of us. You, You don't hold these things against us. You don't say, jump through certain hoops and and then you'll be ready to go. No, you give us all of yourself continually in fresh and powerful ways. So today can be a day in which we experience again the joy of our salvation. Today can be a day in which we are reignited and reinvigorated to join you on your mission. Today can be a day where we see afresh and anew why you have created us, what purpose you have for us, why we exist, why we are alive. So that every cell in our being is cooperating with you to make your name known among all nations. And today can be a day in which we see with fresh eyes what this life is about and what our true battle is. And so we pray. We pray at all times, with all perseverance, in the spirit, against the works of our enemy and for the the growth and the, the spreading of your name and your fame through your people. God, do this in us. Do this in me. Do this in the crossing, those here and those watching, those listening later. You have such big desires for the city of Monroe and the parish of Washtenaw Parish and the state of Louisiana and the United States of America and all the nations. You have such big desires. It's not just about one church. 
So, Father, help us to see what you desire and join you in that, to align our lives and to pray in the ways you would create and call us to pray. Thank you, Jesus, for what you make possible through your gospel. Let us rejoice now. Let us sing. Let us share in this meal together. And remember once again how good it is to be your people. We pray in Jesus' name.